it's like we finally have a solution. Yeah. With all these podcasts, how does one keep up? What are you not? Glad you asked. Welcome to the week in podcasting. Thank you very much. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. Smith Everett, Val Riley, Jeff Adams. The week in podcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the week in podcasting. That's right. The week in podcasting highlights podcasts from all around the stratosphere. I am your host, Seth Everett. Joining me is Val Riley. Uh, Jeff Adams has the week off. He is designated for assignment. If you're a sports fan, you know exactly what that means. <laughs> Good afternoon, Val. How are you? Hey, Seth. We're in double digits. That's right. We hit our 10th episode. Wow. What do you think the final number will be? <laughs> we get our, <laughs> we get our royalties yet? I'm still waiting. <laughs> what do you think the ultimate number? Hey, how about this? Tweet us at Val Riley or at Seth <laughs> underscore Everett. Tell tell Blog Talk Radio exactly how many episodes you want to have. Uh, it can't be less than 10. <laughs> well, we, we can tell you this, though. If you're considering submitting a clip, we have seen a significant bump in your show's audience. Not our show's audience. That's okay. That's been constant. But what you, we have seen is if your show gets highlighted, that week's episode immediately sees a bump. So mm-hmm. we're giving you a platform. It's a, it's a great thing. You can submit podcasts to be uh, promoted on this show the email address is theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. We'll take suggestions. If you want, if you're listening and you say, I know the funniest podcast or I know the best, most inspiring podcast, whatever they are, just theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. We will find it. We will find the people. We'll get them to send their best clip and uh, we will have that, that. Today, we are going to be featuring shows called Human Lab, The Science Between Us interview with Ann Ligori. I know Ann Ligori. Thursday night tailgate are the three shows that we are going to be highlighted. We have other submissions that we haven't gotten to keep them coming. And just because you didn't get this week does not mean your show will not be. So it could be featured on show 11 or 12 or 13, 13. Wow. (laughs) Your voice cracked on 13. Hilarious. That did did happen. Well, we are in the uh, the month of November. Uh, We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. And already everything in the world is Christmas. Everything in the world is Christmas. Enough. It's insane. I saw how Nordstrom's actually people were sharing this on Facebook yesterday that Nordstrom's was putting up signs like we are not putting up Christmas decorations um, until November 27th because we believe you should celebrate one holiday at a time. And I was like, thank you, Nordstrom's, because that's so annoying how everything is Christmas already. And now that I have a child who's like just starting to really understand the idea of these holidays, it's so misleading to have Santa Claus is out two months before that even happens, you know? And I don't want children to know that they have a choice because I want my kids to be Jewish. And I'm sorry, but there's so much freaking Christmas stuff out there. They're not going to want to be. You're not going to replace three months of promotion with eight mm. days of Hanukkah. It's not. You're like gonna... walking through Walgreens trying to find the blue shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's one? the blue stuff? <laughs> Can you get me one? <laughs> That's funny. We, uh, we saw the Peanuts movie. 
I want to oh, recommend yeah. the Peanuts movie. I kids will like it, and if there, if you have any nostalgia in you, you'll like the Peanuts movie. <gasps> Speaking of movies, you are going to be so impressed with me. Oh, I can't okay. believe Jeff is not here. So but, I. But you're not going to let me tell my Peanuts story. Okay, that's fine. Um, no, no, move on. Move on it. to your movie. Move on to your I movie. That was yeah. it. That, you saw. The Let's peanuts, see if this is better end. than the Peanuts. What? <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, we can come back to the peanut story if you really think it's weekendpodcasting at gmail.com if you like this movie better than the movie I was going to talk about. Yeah. Go. At Val Riley if you like it when I interrupt <laughs> Seth. <laughs> um, no. Okay. So sorry. I am very excited because I knew that you guys would be impressed with me um, that we uh, always argue, my husband and I, we don't argue. There's just nothing to watch on TV at night. Yeah. So like yeah. on the random nights that we are sitting at home looking for something to watch on TV, there's nothing. We can't agree on it. Anyway, so we decided to rewatch all the Star Wars movies in anticipation of the new one coming out. And we actually did some research. There's quite a few opinions on the Internet about the correct order to watch them in. Um, and so I'm going to tell you what order we're watching them in. Um, but I have to look it up again because I forget what order I'm watching them in. <laughs> um, here we go. Let me tell you, you tell me what you think about this. We are watching, um, um, the first one is The New Hope. Okay, you're watching okay. four, five, six, one, two, three. Uh, yeah. yeah, Empire Strikes Back, yeah. yeah. And then you're going to do Return of the Jedi, and then you're going to yeah. go back. And the Phantom do, Menace. Right, Phantom Menace, then Attack of the Clones, and then Revenge of the Sith. That's right. Yeah, you think that's the right order? You agree with I, this guy that I did yeah, my Jeff research on? Yep, Jeff uh, does. I do. I don't. I I understand from a nostalgia standpoint. That's the way we learned them. That's the way they were presented to us. We saw four yeah. first. We didn't know that there were going to be six. And there's the big reveal in five. Have you gotten through f- f- Empire Strikes Back yet? Well, right. I mean, I've seen it before in my life. Right. So you know. No. So you know. Okay. Yeah. So so Darth Vader tells Luke he's the father, and you're like, what? No freaking right. way. That, that's impossible. And literally, that's what he says. That's impossible. And and then you get Return of the Jedi, and that's when the big reveal. The prequels would ruin that moment. I think Right, you, exactly. But I just I think it's continuity. I think you watch the prequels first. First of all, I don't hate them. They're not my favorites, obviously, but they're not horrible. I believe one, two, three. Watch that kid become Darth Vader. When, when he is Darth Vader at the end, you are watching four in a new light because you're seeing four and you're saying, wait a minute, that's the little boy. Have you watched them in that order? Have you done that? I, that's how I want to introduce him to my children. Uh, uh-huh. I have I have when the Blu-rays came out because I watched them and I watched all the, you know, the bonus and all, all that. I did do it in that order. I, I completely did. I, I think that's the right order. I, I, I understand why people say absolutely not. I, I, I know I'm in the minority, but I just think, yes, you don't have the Vader holy crap moment. Okay, fine. But I think a better moment is all of four, five, six, you watch Darth Vader and you like, wait a minute. I used to root for that guy. I like yeah. that guy. I, that's the way I see it. I, I see it a little differently. So I will tell you, though, in this, um, the week is where I ended up going with his order that he suggested. He actually takes one out entirely. He he doesn't think that you need to watch one at all, actually. So it's just four, five, two, three. No, four, six. five, six. Wait, 
What? No. Yeah. Four, five, two, three, six. Well, no, that that's that, that that's literally like you threw a bunch of things in a hat and you pull <laughs> you pull them out. There's no rhyme or reason for that. No, I disagree. I, I will say this: I, I people kill this movie because people want it to be what now people want Episode Seven to be. The, you know, the Force Awakens. They want the Force Awakens to be uh, something. And by the way, uh, if there is an episode 13, 14, 15, 16, they are all going to be Star Wars podcasts. I, I'm just telling you right now, they're going to be Star Wars. Because this debate, I think it's a real debate. I think Phantom Menace is not a great movie, but you meet the kid. He, the kid becomes Darth Vader. There's something to that. You see... So- you see Obi-Wan Kenobi lose his master. You know, Liam Neeson, you know, bites it. I had spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it. <laughs> I think up. anyone who has any opinions about this has seen the movie. <laughs> You're not ruining it for anyone. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, wait, so tell me more about the peanuts then. So here's my point about the peanuts. I thought the marketing was bad. The marketing uh-huh. was they were playing like pop songs and showing clips from Peanuts, the, the Peanuts movie. And I thought it was like some of these bad movies that get made that it's it's more about catering to the lowest common denominator. I didn't want to see Whip and Nene in the Peanuts movie. I <laughs> wanted the Peanuts movie to be a Peanuts movie. Yeah. I, that, that's what I'm saying. Like have it. Car- and I, I didn't like the animation in the commercials. I loved it in the movie. I thought it was a Peanuts movie. Huh. It was it was an extension. It's probably 20 minutes too long, but it, considering the specials were always 30 minutes long, it's a simple story. It's Peanuts. It's Charlie Brown loves the redheaded girl. It, Snoopy is Snoopy. Every character gets their little moment. It is adorable. It's cute. And it's the Peanuts. It, it feels... Nothing what I expected, which was a surprise because if they had marketed as the nostalgia, I I would have wanted to see it more. I only saw it because my kids wanted to see it. Maybe they knew that people would already go see it for the nostalgia. And so they tried to market it in a way that would attract the younger generation because they knew all the parents would already see it. Right. I I think it's valid. I, I, I get it. I just I saw that and I saw I want to say it was like Charlie XCX or one of these goofball hipsters. And I was like, I was like, stop. You I, sound I so stop. old. <laughs> I, know. I know it's bad. It's bad. All right. Human Lab, the science between us. Let's listen to nationally syndicated advice columnist. Oh, she can advise us on uh, what, what order to see Star Wars in. She talks <laughs> with the luminaries of behavioral science and psychotherapy. In this clip, evolutionary psychologist Dr. Jeffrey Miller lays out the realities from science of what women really want and how even a regular guy can measure up as opposed to trying to scam a woman into bed. His new book he'll be discussing on the show, co-authored with Tucker Max, is Mate, Become the Man Women Want. Now, you say there are five principles of mating success. And the first is what the show is all about, making decisions about behavior through science and not bias. But the next is one that I think guys really need to consider more, as do women about guys, but that's for another show. And what guys need to consider is something called perspective taking, and that's accounting for the women's perspective. So we'll go into that, but first, 
One thing that's key to taking a woman's perspective is what evolutionary psychologists David Buss and David Schmidt describe as men's and women's conflicting sexual strategies. So tell us a little bit about that, how men and women are psychologically and then behaviorally different, and why. Yeah, I mean, our, our male and female ancestors faced really different um, challenges and, and selection pressures when they were mating back in the day. Um, for men, you know, if you can spread your seed far and wide and just kind of go for quantity strategy, that could be very successful if women would put up with it. Um, for women, you've got issues like pregnancy and breastfeeding and getting resources and commitment from guys. So for women, it's often more of a a quality-oriented strategy. There's, there's big individual differences within each sex, but basically um, men confront the problem that females are very choosy initially in courtship. Convincing a woman to have sex is kind of the big hurdle for men. Uh, for women, the big hurdle is more getting a guy to commit, getting him to settle down, be monogamous, or at least a little more restricted. So the sexes face different challenges, they also face really different dangers, um, both socially and physically. So the mate book tries to walk young men through what is it really like to be a woman, um, not just at an emotional level, but at a kind of logical evolutionary level. Yeah, I really love how you lay all that stuff out. And you say that women seek a few things, so good genes, good partners, and good dads, though not necessarily from the same guy. So are there dad guys and casual sex guys? Well, men, you know, as they mature, they go through adolescence and they kind of figure out, hey, what are my traits? What aspects of me are attractive? What kind of women can I attract? Guys will eventually tend to kind of specialize. So some guys adopt more of a short-term strategy. Some guys go for more of a long-term strategy. Um, neither one is necessarily better than the other or even necessarily more ethical. They're just different strategies. Um, but a lot of guys kind of miss, they miscalibrate. They don't really know how they stack up, and they have uh, various kinds of delusions about themselves or about women. And, yeah, a lot of the book is about trying to help guys get a more accurate sense of what kind of strategies would work and uh, what kind of mating goals would actually be easiest to implement. We could have been talking about this the whole time and not st- and we, we did Star Wars and Snoopy. What the heck's the matter with us? I wonder if like, so it sounds like the target audience for this book is younger men. And I wonder how many younger men would actually read this book. <laughs> they should, they all should is my point, but um, that younger generation of guys, I feel so sorry for my girlfriends that are single right now because they all seem so douchey. And now here I'm learning that they are specializing in that, right? <laughs> That's what he's saying, that they try to figure out what they're good at or what they've had success with in like the dating world. And then they like, you know, consider that their specialty. I don't know. Huh. I, Who I, knew? I, 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 but, I, but here's the thing. I, I, I always, I was always, I love being Look, I'm happily married, but I liked when I was single. I was honest. I don't understand why people lie. I don't get it. I, I'm not fooling around here, Val. I'm being honest. I don't, I don't understand why people lie. Do, do people really fall for lies to get women into bed? Is that really how it works? Um, guys really lie to get women into bed, yes. I, I, never, I never did that. I, I, always, I was always straight up. I was always very honest, 
and it always it worked. I don't know why it worked. <laughs> I I think that's a separate podcast. Seth's Bachelor Days. I would like to hear. I would <laughs> like to hear how well did it work, Seth? It worked. It it, it worked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Hope nobody's downloading this podcast that I did in my family. <laughs> yeah, seriously, details do tell. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I I get it. I think women do appreciate honesty. And, you know, I think there are women that are more character driven as opposed to like, you know, superficially or whatever. Not that you weren't superficially attractive. That's not what I'm saying. Let me take the foot out of my mouth right now. I'm saying. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. You did say that. No, no. (laughs) I think you're a cute guy, Seth. Um, I, what I'm saying is that. Um, I think women appreciated the honesty. I think women can sense that. And I think a lot of women can tell when guys are lying or they're trying too hard or whatever. Right. That's what I mean. But guys are super good at lying. Like I know a guy who would like fully lie about what he did. And he had a very good job for real life. He just did it as like a game and see how many women he could sleep with. And the answer was a lot. (laughs) I know it's awful, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I'm telling you, I think I, I think that 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 what happens with people look, the dating game must be harder because of things like Tinder, because of oh, things God, like yeah. Snapchat. It's 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 got to be just mind numbing. Like you don't need to go anywhere to meet people. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to, you, you, you hardly have to look at, leave your house. It, it's got to be so interesting. And I would imagine that the length of that podcast and much of what that topic was is fascinating because 20 years ago, none of it applies. And we're not old. I mean, we joke about being old, but we're not old. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're, we're out there. We're in this world. We're on the social media world. We don't have that. Anyway, you can download this show on iTunes. Just uh, make sure when you when you get there, leave them a review. Tell them how great their show is, but tell them that you first heard the show on the week in podcasting, or you can check it out streaming at blogtalkradio.com slash Amy Alcon, A-M-Y-A-L-K-O-N. Uh, I, I, I've already hit subscribe. That's what I yeah. basically did. I, 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 I definitely subscribed already. I can I can listen to like the battle of the sexes type conversations forever because it it is kind of like scientifically fascinating how we're just wired differently and like how does that play out? So it's a very interesting topic. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, it's time to get uh, 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 sports centric. These are two really cool podcasts, including the first time. This is the first time Val that we are showcasing a podcast of someone I know. I am so excited. Anne Ligori is an icon. She is an icon in her industry. She is a brilliant reporter. She is a great interviewer. She has a show. I want to say this used to be a radio show. It used to be a TV show. Now it's a podcast. Sports Interview, I-N-N, Sports Interview with Anne Ligori. Each week, Anne talks about issues in sports, interviews top names and experts in the field. She often takes this show on the road and has broadcast live from golf courses in Ireland, the Masters in Augusta, Georgia, the U.S. Open in New York, uh, PGA Championships, Cancun, Cabo, Mexico. She has done it all. She is absolutely brilliant. Uh, Like I, I cannot say 
the respect I have for Anne Ligori, not only as a female broadcaster, but as a broadcaster. She is absolutely brilliant. This Anne is in Bermuda because she is better than all of us. Anne <laughs> learns all about their national drink, the dark and stormy <laughs> from Malcolm Gosling. So we have been here, my family has been in Bermuda since 1806. So I'm actually the eighth generation of Goslings. It was a total mistake how we ended up here. It was my great, 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 great grandfather. That's five greats, right? Five greats, yeah. I think, I, I don't know, I had a couple glasses of rum. <laughs> uh, and uh, he was actually destined for Virginia with a boat filled with, with booze. And uh, Andrews, my colleague, calls it the first, bo- or first uh, booze cruise to ever uh, set sail. And instead of making it to Virginia, he was becalmed at sea and forced to get unceremoniously dumped onto Bermuda. And 200 years later, plus 200 years later, we're still here and we're still making rum, making what I think is the best rum in the world, but <laughs> some may say I'm biased. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, t- the dark and stormy. The second you put foot on uh, a Bermuda, everybody's talking about the dark and stormies. And so I just learned today in this tour that your company trademarked that name. We did. We uh, trademarked it back in um, the early early 90s, late 80s. And um, it's something that we take very seriously. We um, notice that other companies are starting to promote their rum with ginger beer and we don't think that i mean there are good rums with ginger beer but there's nothing that really tastes like a dark and stormy i mean it's bermuda's national drink the drink was created here and um we fight a lot and we uh just try to educate the consumer and the bartenders and the restaurant owners just how to make a correct dark and stormy because it is a very unique taste and there really is nothing like it i understand though this the recipe is very secretive is that true it is. I mean, I am, uh, I'm still young. I'm only 25, so I haven't been able to get the uh, secret recipe yet. I don't know if my dad trusts me yet. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's in the cards, and, uh, yeah, only a handful of people know it. It's uh, my father, the master blender, and um, my father's sister, actually. So. I love the history. I love the history. And I guess when you turn a certain age, does the recipe automatically uh, pass down to you? I hope it works like that. I don't know if it does. I think we have to prove ourselves a little bit in the uh, workplace. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully it comes down to me. <laughs> Talk about, now I heard a little bit of the background of how it actually got to be called a, a dark and stormy. But could you relay that story? Yeah, it was actually, uh, there are a couple of different stories around it. But it all revolves around the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club. And it was the British Navy who actually brought ginger beer to Bermuda when they were based here in the early 1900s. And they actually made their own ginger beer. So they found out that the local black rum, Goslings, went very well with their ginger beer. And so legend has it that it was a dark and stormy day at the Royal Bermuda Yacht Club. And so the sailors of the British Navy couldn't go out and do whatever it is (laughs) that they did. Um, And so they were drinking a bunch of uh, black rum and ginger beers and the bartender accidentally poured ginger beer in before the rum and then poured the rum on top and it sits on top like a storm cloud and the sailor picked it up and said that looks like a storm cloud neither a fool or a dead man would sail under followed by barkeep i'll take another dark and stormy and it's stuck since then and 
like you know we uh we trademarked it back in the 90s and so that guy was 25 he should talk to amy alcon he could could answer the questions about the the scams with the women and he he could do it easily (laughs) so not to you know poo poo five generations of work or however many generations you said it was and dark and stormies are delicious but all that's in them is rum ginger beer and then like maybe lime right so what is so I can't believe they got it trademarked. <laughs> that seems very I I don't know overkill maybe. Um, I love the dark I love that I love that Anne just finds people like this topics like this wherever she goes. She travels all over for she covers golf and tennis for for WFAN and and so many other places and it's just so funny to hear all the stuff that she comes up with. This is a great podcast, but I will admit. I had this podcast on my phone way before we started the week of podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, I like her job. It seems like fun. Yes, yes, absolutely. Don't forget, you can download Sports Interview with Ann Ligori on iTunes or at blogtalkradio.com slash sports interview. And again, it's I-N-N-E-R-V-I-E-W. All right, let's keep the sports going and bring in the Thursday night tailgate. They are official partners of the NFL Alumni Association. I feel like I need Harry Callis's voice to say this. And every week we have five to seven current or former NFL players to join us to share stories from their careers plus what they are doing now. Chris Mascaro, hope I'm saying his name right, uh, and co-host Bob Lazari. I know Bob. Wow, I know Bob. That's awesome. Former Seahawks. It's like podcasting with friends for you. Seriously, I should have a show like that. Uh, (laughs) There's a great podcast that I do. I love sports with friends. I incorporated all my episodes of the baseball one. It was a baseball-centric podcast called The Diamond. I closed that account, and I brought all those podcasts over to Sports with Friends. There are now 35 episodes of Sports with Friends, and everybody I talk to is a friend. It's a great show. Uh, Bob Lazari and Chris Mascaro uh, talk with former Steeler, Seahawk, and Patriots Pro Bowl linebacker Chad Brown. And Chad is talking about how the Seahawks dealt with losing the Super Bowl over in training camp. Your pro day, I've been waiting since the last time we spoke with you, Chad, to ask you about the Seahawks because, you know, after I watched the Super Bowl last year, I was I was under the impression to myself, how does a team like Seattle come back from something like that mentally, you know, and we know how tough and rough this whole football season can be. And you having played the majority of your career in Seattle, Chad, did you get the idea the way they lost that game? Um, I'm not going to say that's a reason why they're four and four now, but it had to have some kind of mental effect on that squad. Uh, I really thought so. So when I did my coaching internship with the Seahawks this year during training camp, that was one of the things I really wanted to see from a coaching standpoint. How does Pete Carroll just get his team to, to move on from that? And uh, I can tell you that the Super Bowl was not mentioned one time during training camp. Um, you know, he Pete runs a very, very positive program. In fact, the most positive athletic program I've ever been around. So the Pete Carroll that you see 
in news conferences and press conferences and the interviews. That is really who he is. That's not an act he puts on for the camera. He's really that full of energy. He's really that positive of a coach, and he believes the best way to get something out of people is to do it through positive ways. And, uh, and you know, from a coaching standpoint, even when you're doing a personnel meeting, and in a personnel meeting, you're you know, essentially during training camp, you're trying to finalize the roster and. So you have to you have to criticize guys. You have to say why this guy shouldn't be on the team, why he's falling short, why we should consider cutting him. And even in those types of meetings, Pete always wants you to start with something positive. Let's say what this guy does well first. Let's you know let's not just turn this into a three-hour meeting of negativity. Let's talk positively about these guys. And you know it was a really an eye opener for me because I've played in some places that. You know, weren't nearly as positive and weren't nearly as fun to go to work. Um, you know, during the dog days of training camp, which training camp is now much lighter than it ever was, but still, there's still dog days of training camp. You know, we're three and a half weeks in, and my alarm is going off at 5.45 in the morning so I could be there. And you would think in those circumstances, you might be a little bit sick of it. But it was such a great place to work. I was excited to go to work as an unpaid intern just to be around all that positive energy. Now, specifically to your question about the Super Bowl, uh, I know he had a number of speakers come in during the spring and who talked about moving on from adversity and moving on from, from bad things. And, again, with no one on the team that I was around discussed it, the Super Bowl loss or anything like that. Obviously, them being 4-4, four and four, uh, I think that may still be playing a factor. But, you know, they've also had a number of on-the-field issues. They missed the Cam Chancellor for the first couple of games. Getting him back incorporated to defense has been a not a very smooth process so far. And then they've really got a brand-new offensive line in front of Russell Wilson. I expect Tom Cable, the great offensive line coach, to get that group uh, playing at a higher level as the season goes along. And two of the guys starting on the offensive line were defensive guys in college making the, 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 the conversion over the offensive side of the ball. So they're still learning how to play offensive the line as well as learning how to play together. So uh, I think they'll be fine as the season goes along, but it's definitely been a rock, rocky start for the Seahawks. I appreciate I covered Chad Brown. I know how honest he's being. It's impossible that it is not a factor, not because they lost the Super Bowl, but because of how they lost the Super Bowl. We all know they all they had to do was run into the end zone. They are two-time Super Bowl champs. For some cockamamie, idiotic reason, they decided to pass the interception. New England gets the ball. They win the Super Bowl. We, we've been over this. You don't recover from this easily. You've seen in the early weeks. I'm not calling Chad Brown a liar, Val. But there's no way it's it, there's no way human nature is impossible. The Seattle Seahawks have a dark cloud over them simply because of how they lost the Super Bowl. Not that they lost. You can lose a Super Bowl and survive. They lost the Super Bowl in that way. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Mm. I like the message, though, about the positivity of coaching. I mean, I can relate to that with parenting, right? I think you get more. Um, more results from positively coaching than like being, you know, harsh. I don't know if it's true in football, but I feel like it's true in my world where I'm the coach. <laughs> you are the coach. <laughs> where I'm in charge. <laughs> are you like a bossy? Are you a disciplinarian? 
I, uh, I, we have um, consistency is what I call it. I call it consistency. Um, no, I'm not very much a softy as a parent. I let me kind ask of, you, yeah. let me ask you this then. Are you, <laughs> this is so bad. Are you, <laughs> um, are you going to, how, how do I phrase this? Are you good? Uh-huh. Cop? Are you good cop? Is Snuffleupagus no. bad cop? How does that work? Yeah. No, Snuffleupagus is definitely gets to be fun, good cop when he's around. Um, Snuffleupagus, again, would be my husband, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I am, you know, I, I think oh, that like I is, it, folks. yeah, that is the tricky thing about being a stay-at-home mom is that I um I think being a working mom and being a stay-at-home mom, I think those are both really hard things to do. I don't think one is easier than the other. I think they come with different challenges. Um, So it's kind of comparing apples to oranges. But I will say, like, I feel like moms that work full-time tend to be a little bit more flexible, say, like, on nights or weekends, because they're really just trying to get through until they get to go back to work, (laughs) in a way. Whereas I feel like when you're a stay-at-home mom, like, every every inch you give, you kind of have to live with those results. Like, you know, if you let them have a late bedtime on Sunday night and they're totally grumpy on Monday, that's on you and you have to deal with that. And because you're living that pain, if you screw it up, every stay-at-home mom I know is much more like rigid when it comes to consistency. Um, And sometimes I wish I was more flexible and go with the flow. And as my daughter gets older, I think that I am a little bit, but I also, you know, know that kids benefit from routine, um, particularly mine. And so I keep us on the schedule. (laughs) I imagine you to be good cop. I am good cop, but our big issue these days is we let them run hog wild. They, (laughs) my kids would not go to sleep if, if they didn't have to. And what happens is we let them stay up a little bit. We'll let them watch a movie we'll let them play. They could go all night on a Friday or Saturday night. The problem is Sunday night. We don't know how to recover. We can't get them to sleep. They are manipulative. They find ways (laughs) to stay up. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. And my daughter had her fourth birthday. So, you know, she had all the presents and the balloons and the, and the, 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 you know, the pomp and circumstance. And it was such a great weekend. We had such a great time. Those kids never wanted it to end. I don't get mad at them. I'm not mad at them for doing it. Like I want to move on, but I love what they're doing. I, I don't know. I, I guess that makes me bad, uh, good cop, but I don't, I don't, I, they're not do, they're not breaking anything. They're not jumping anywhere. Like they're not, they're just playing. They can't stop playing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Okay. I mean, they're a little bit older, so that that's different. I mean, I think you can add a little flexibility right. as they get older, four, but then right. four and seven, if they're, if they're not hurting anybody and they're not, they're just playing, then, I mean, what are you worried about? You're worried about Monday morning that they're disasters? That's right. That's right. Do you know that well, I so think- that's exactly my point, right? So you're having fun with them all weekend and then you're like, oh, no, they're going to be grumpy at school. Oh, well, yeah. let oh, them well, play. Not my problem. Yeah, not my yeah. problem. Right. <laughs> not, it's not an issue. That if, that if that's the way they have to be, that's the way they have to be. They can do it. Uh, you can check out the Thursday Night Tailgate. Uh, there, look, Chad Brown is a great guest. I heard the whole show. I understand Bob Lazari, great interviewer, Chris as well. Chad, it, it, I'm sorry. The Seahawks are not, they're in a funk because of it. Uh, you can check out their show at their website, Thursday, www.thursdaynighttailgate.com. 
com or blogtalkradio.com slash Thursday night tailgate. So you can check out the Thursday night. And it's a, again, I, 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 the show comes out Thursdays. Uh, I am actually going, the show comes out on a Thursday. So today is technically my wedding anniversary. And I met my wife in the press box of giant stadium, the old giant stadium. And it was at a jets game. She was working as a producer for a, a, a television show for the New York Jets, and I was covering the Jets for Fox, and we met in the press box. And it turns out that on our anniversary, the Jets have a home game. You know how they do the uh-huh. Thursday night NFL game? So we're uh-huh. going. We're, we're, we're going to go. It was returned to, you know, across the street from the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> That that'll be fun. That's pretty yeah, cute. It's cute. It it, it it's cute. So I'm we, sure you were honest in the press box. We already discussed that. Yes, yes. Well, you have I ever told you that story? That's a it's a yeah. it's a total me story. The, yeah, I think that you have told me, but you can tell the, the world. The, the um, <laughs> I was wearing a Syracuse golf shirt. She had gone to Syracuse. She's six years younger, so she didn't go when I went there. But she came over to me. And she, that's the noting, the underline. She came over to me and said, did you go there? And I would, if I had gone to the University of Hawaii, I would have said yes. And <laughs> I said yes. And at that moment, she walked away. Nice to meet you. She walked away. And two reporters who I still know, one of whom has a podcast that I've been trying to get promoted on the week in podcasting. One came over, leaned over, and said, "You have no shot." That that was their phrase. You have no, you have no chance. Don't even try. You have no shot. And I remember that. I remember that as clear as day. And I had to get her phone number because I had to prove these guys wrong. It, I asked her out totally for spite. And ten years. And she's <laughs> <laughs> there you go you should take a selfie tonight and uh tweet it to those, to those guys to those guys stars. yeah those two, two, two guys <laughs> we, we we absolutely should hey remember help us out by subscribing to the week in podcasting on itunes leave us a review as well we prefer it to be favorable but if you just write you suck uh, look we'll read it anyway and you can always send in submissions <laughs> The email address is theweekinpodcasting at gmail.com. Send on those recommendations. Again, if you have a show that you want to promote, uh, if it's your show, that's all the better. Um, If if it's a show that you like, tell us about it. Give us the details. Tell us why, and we'll get it on our show. Uh, Next week, we hope to have Jeff Adams back. I say hope because, look, it's the future. You never know. But I'm hoping that we missed you, Jeff. Yes, I'm hoping that he's back uh, for Val and, of course, our executive producer, Pod Vader, and, of course, our pinch hitting producer, Amy, who helped out with the show as well today. Thank you, Um, Amy. We have a great we have what what a crew behind this show. Um, (laughs) It takes a village. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly Unfortunately, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> for Val Riley, I'm Seth Everett. This is the Week in Podcasting. We'll see you next week.